Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 84. Today, we're going to be looking at that little voice inside your head. You know, the one that tells you, you look like crap in those jeans. You can't really trust her. I knew you couldn't do it. You are all alone. If he really knew you, he wouldn't love you. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I'm really glad you're here because today we're going to be talking about all things shame. I'm going to talk about the surprising way shame shows up. I had no idea myself what I, that I was experiencing shame sometimes. What So what it really is, how it's hurting you in your relationships, and ways to cope from the experts. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. So shame, Uh, you know, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're fat or thin, rich or poor, poor, tall or short. Shame is an equal opportunity emotion. It's amazingly destructive. Research has linked it to violence, addiction, depression, sleep problems, eating disorders, bullying, anxiety, crazy, right? It's insane. And that's why I call it, you know, shame is the silent killer. It's eating at the foundation of your relationship and you likely don't even know it because it is linked to so many things and it's not necessarily easy to identify. You, maybe you don't want to have sex because you don't like how you look. Guess what? Shame. Uh, You're a new dad and your partner makes a comment, a comment about your parenting you know, just some sort of offhand little comment and you fly off the handle because deep down, you don't think you're doing it right. Shame, 
your partner questions a decision you made at work, just question something. Say, oh, well, why'd you do that? Or what was that? And you're furious because you're seeing your role as the breadwinner being attacked. Shame. All of these things are shame. It's So it's critical to learn what shame really is, how sneaky it can be, and to create healthy, healthy coping skills for when it shows up. Yeah. And before we jump in, I do want to uh, ask everyone, if you haven't yet, subscribe. Please subscribe to the podcast. And what would be extra, extra special, please, 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 is if you would please leave a review. It means a lot to me. I love reading them, by the way, and I read everyone. Uh, and it it's huge because as you know, you might or might not know, it's the reviews and the subscribing and all that that uh, allow more people to know about it. And you, I'm looking to change the world one relationship at a time. I, You know my mission is to create peace. And I know that if people have access to great information about relationships, regardless of their ability to pay, that they will change their lives, they will transform themselves, their relationships, their children, generations to come. You, There's no need for hate, bullying, and all the bad stuff when we have great tools for how to feel connected and happy. So I, it might sound like I'm uh, just aiming too high, but I don't think so. So please just really, this is to you, to you listening right now. Please stop, make sure you subscribe, and please, if you haven't yet, leave a review. I really appreciate it. Okay, so what exactly is shame anyway? Let's start there because I have to tell you, I didn't really understand. I, of course, knew about uh, kind of big pieces of shame, you know, and I've had shame in my life, uh, as I'm sure you have listening. Um, and, but I didn't realize that there were other things that were showing up as shame. So I can think of these things that I've done in my past, especially in my addiction, that I'm just so ashamed of still to this day, even after a ton of therapy, even after talking about it, even after all the things, it still uh, sits in my head and uh, just makes me feel crappy. And so that seems obvious, you know, when I've done something bad um, and I've hurt people, but there's more. Shame has other pieces. And again, that's why I call it the silent killer. So I'm, we're going to get into that today. Uh, now, the word shame itself is actually derived from a bunch of European words that literally mean to cover, to veil, to hide. And that you know, sort of literal meaning that, you know, covering something, hiding something really matches up with the ways we act when we're ashamed. We, so maybe you're avoiding eye contact, maybe you isolate, uh, feel exposed, fight. So a lot of us, when we feel shame, we get very argumentative and defensive and, and fight. Uh, blaming others, and the biggie feeling self-conscious. And this is one of those things that I had no idea was, I didn't, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, but I hadn't really linked it to shame. That when I'm self-conscious about something, um, there's actually shame living somewhere in my body or mind. Uh, Dr. Judith Jordan, she's one of the first to write about shame in, in, in the late 80s. And she defines it as a, and I'm quoting her, a felt sense of unworthiness to be in connection. Oh, 
That's the worst, right? You don't even feel worthy of being in connection with anyone. And this deep sense of unlovability with the ongoing awareness of how very much one wants to connect with others. So there's the shame. You want to connect, but feel somehow unlovable and unworthy of having that kind of connection with other people. And according to the reigning queen on the subject, of course, of you know, of shame and vulnerability, I, I can't be talking today without talking about Dr. Brene Brown. God bless you, girl. Uh, she's a researcher at the University of Houston. And uh, of course, has a very famous TED Talk and lots of books about shame and vulnerability and all that good stuff. And she says that shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So I, I think she says it really well there, uh, very economical with her words. And that is really what's at the, the core uh, so much. And again, there's so many times when we don't realize that that feeling is actually shame uh, and we think it's something else. So if you've ever been self-conscious, you've felt shame. This I, <laughs> was sort of a revelation to me. I hadn't realized it. Sh uh, shame and humiliation uh, along with um, guilt and embarrassment, they belong to a family of emotions that are referred to as the self-conscious emotions. And they're called the self-conscious emotions because they make you think about yourself. You become, yes, you guessed it, self-conscious. You're really conscious of you and what's happening. So other emotions you might not have realized are shame, you know, in a, shame in other clothing are feelings uh, if you feel insecure, anytime you felt dumb or stupid or just like, oh, what's wrong with me? And you know, you're face palming. Um, and anytime you feel like you can never quite reach the bar. So I can't tell you how many clients I have that set a bar and then as soon as it comes within reach, they raise it. There's the yeah, but. Um, yeah, you know, I did that, but I didn't do it this way or I didn't finish it or the right way or I sort of you know, I have some clients say they cheated and they didn't cheat. They just think because something uh, came easier to them that it's like cheating. And of course it's not. It's nice when things come easier and it's probably coming easier because you've done a lot of hard work in a certain area that usually happens without realizing it, but because maybe it's something you liked or something, again, that just sort of was in your wheelhouse, whatever that might've been. And so you were able to improve along the way kind of dramatically, you think that it's, um, you, you don't feel worthy of it. It's like, you're not, you're not worthy of having this feeling. Um, Thomas Chef, he's a professor emeritus at UC Santa Barbara, says that shame is the most obstructed and hidden emotion and therefore the most destructive. He says, I love this, emotions are like breathing. They cause trouble only when obstructed. How good is that? Make that a bumper sticker. Uh, so again, that's the thing I think we, you, I really want you to get from today is that you might be sitting going, I don't need to listen to a broadcast on shame. Like I don't feel shame. You know, I've, I've worked through things or whatever. But if again, you've had any of these emotions, believe it or not, they are linked very likely to these deep, deep inner feelings of shame. And we're going to talk today about how to get rid of those. So, hey, why wouldn't you want to listen? Okay. So what causes shame? Well, more often than not, uh, 
shame stems from some childhood experience. I don't think that that's, uh, you know, too hard to figure out. It can definitely come later in life, but it's, it's usually from some issue in childhood. And again, the issue, you might not think you have shame because you had a quote unquote good childhood. So, you, so I really want to talk about it. So of course, shame can come out of major trauma. So uh, sexual, emotional, physical abuse, neglect, it can come from any of those things. But shame also comes from the more, I would say, innocent ways our parents or people important to us interacted with us. And I say this a lot, you know, how we come into this world, our temperament, how we attach, you know, our attachment style, where you are in the birth order in your family, or if you're an only child, uh, maybe you came into the family after a divorce as opposed to before a divorce or something. There's so many, so, so many variables for how you as a person come into the world and interact with your environment that it, it is incredible. It's hard to tether out what's what. So you have to know that there's sometimes very um, subtle things that are happening in families that make you feel shame. And again, might not have even been someone's intention and your sibling might not feel shame about the exact same thing because maybe they're older or maybe they're younger, or again, they have a different temperament. They came at a different time in the family cycle, whatever. Uh, so sometimes it's easy to dismiss it and think, well, my brother is not feeling this, so why would I? Uh, you know, born in the same family, we're only two years apart, but you are two very different people, and so it's very possible. Um, I think a lot of the shame stuff happens in, again, with who you are as a kid and how your parents interacted. So um, a, a really easy one is, you know, a kid who spills a glass of milk, right? We always, <laughs> do we even drink milk anymore? I hope so. But, um, you know, kid spills a glass of milk, kids are want to do this, or a glass of juice or whatever. And and so you might have a parent who said, oh, ugh, don't worry, these things happen. It's just juice. It's just water. It's just milk. Um, but maybe you had a parent or a sibling or, again, someone really important to you say, oh, you're such a klutz. What is wrong with you? You're always doing stuff like this. You know, that might have been the reaction anytime you made a mistake of any kind, anytime something happened that shouldn't have, uh, so to speak. And so, believe it or not, that can start the shame train, that those kind of interactions over time. So shame comes about a lot because of judgment and criticism. Uh, you know, give me, give me that. You're doing that the wrong way. Let me, let me just have that. Uh, if you have that all the time, of course, you start to feel inadequate. That's what happens. You start to feel like, well, maybe I can't do things. Um, and again, maybe I'm, there's something wrong with me, which makes me inherently unlovable and unworthy of things. Uh, maybe someone dismissed you, demeaned your efforts, um, you know, demeaned your accomplishments or your wins. Uh, maybe you were compared to an older sibling, right? you know, you should quit baseball and try something else. You know, you'll never be as good as your sister. Uh, or or maybe you were compared to another family's kid. You know, why can't you be more like Sarah across the street kind of thing? I, whatever. It can come from so, so many places. It's incredible. Um, and sometimes, again, shame doesn't come from your home environment. It could have been a coach who humiliated you in front of your team or a teacher who embarrassed you by maybe pointing out your mistakes to the class. It can come from so 
so many places. And again, that's what can be sort of difficult to identify around shame. It can be that, again, you had, you know, really a good family. People were mostly nice to each other, but maybe there was this harsh criticism all the time when you didn't do something perfectly um, or do it, quote unquote, right. So, but in other ways, you know, things could have been really good, but that Again, who you are as a kid, your temperament, what you bring to the table, your little soul mixed with that environment wasn't a good mix possibly. And you ended up turning a lot of this inward. Um, and sometimes people just say things by mistake, but it's the one thing that really stays with you. It's the And think about that. Think about memories you have of things people said or things people did that, and you might think, wow, that's really not such a big deal, that memory, you know, but if it's sticking with you, if you remember it so well, so many years later, guess what? It likely is something that triggered some form of shame in you. Uh, I know, and crazy. So, uh, and I was just thinking, as I was saying this of, um, I played a lot of sports as a kid and um, I, you know, <laughs> I looked like a boy for a long time in my adolescence. You know, I uh, my body was very sort of straight up and down and athletic, and um, I had <laughs> super short hair. Back in the day, we had the Dorothy Hamill haircut. I want to shout out from anyone who remembers the Dorothy Hamill haircut. Most of you <laughs> listening are too young. You're like, what is that? Dorothy Hamill was an Olympic skater. She had this super short, cool haircut. My dad said I'd look good in it. He was wrong. It was terrible on me. Uh, the Jufro and the Dorothy the Hamill did not mix. Uh, and, you know, I had the unibrow. It wasn't, it wasn't a good time. And I was uh, playing baseball with a bunch of boys and I slid into third. I still remember this well. I was at a park, slid into third. I popped up. really happy actually with my slide. I used to love the slide and the pop-up. Um, felt really cool. I thought I was so cool. And I was around uh, 11 years old and I popped up at third and these two men were along the fence right there. And one of them, and I was brushing off and kind of talking to the third base coach. And I overhear one of the guys say, oh my God, that's a girl um, pointing at me and talking to me. And that has stuck with me all these years. Hello. All these years, 40 plus years later, I am still remembering this thing they said. And I did always have a uh, poor self-esteem around how I looked. And so even if people would tell me I was beautiful or whatever else, there was a lot of other messages and from my mom and, you know, these kind of guys and from other people telling me I wasn't. And so that's that shame. That's that self-consciousness that you carry forward. And I had never really thought of it like that. I didn't realize it was this shame around, uh, how who how I looked, um, but there but there it is. So it, things like that come up, and you go, oh my gosh, look at that. Uh, there's other things that again can feel so obvious around shame. I um, I think one of the most shameful things I've ever done is I purposely went into a rehab once um, during my using days to sell drugs. That was my idea. I thought I'm going to go into rehab and make a ton of money selling drugs to people in rehab. I can't, it's painful to tell you this right now because it's so horrible. I can't imagine that I was this person who, you know, rehab, people are going there to feel safe. They're going there to to, to try to clean up their lives. And I might've, ugh, I might've killed someone. I, I don't know. Cause here 
I did this horrible, horrible thing going into a rehab and uh, purposely selling drugs in there. And it's, you know, something I just can't even come close to imagining I could have ever done being who I am today as a person. Uh, and I feel like I'm always making amends for that behavior and others like it uh, when I was using and it still is something. So, but when I look at that, it's easy to see why I would feel shame around that. Such a really horrible, cruel, cruel act. Um, and so you go, all right, that that's clear. And you know, I've talked about it in therapy quite a bit and I've made amends in a lot of different ways and done all that. But then there's that thing with these two guys saying I look like a boy, you know, shocked that I was a female, um, that has stuck with me all this time and there's shame there too. So I just, I'm giving these examples and I'm, I guess it's the Dr. Abby sharing hour, huh? Uh, I'm giving these examples because I really want you, I want to drive home how different it can look um, in your life. So huh, enough about me. So let's talk about relationships and shame. Um, and there's a real, there's a great book called The Healing Connection um, by Jean Baker Miller and Irene Stiver. And they're some of the originators, uh, uh, you know, also in the kind of ground floor of uh, shame. And they said, and I'm going to quote them because it's so beautiful. They said, we become so fearful of engaging others because of past neglects, humiliations, and violations. We begin to keep important parts of our experience out of connection. We don't feel safe enough to more be more fully present, uh, to, to really fully represent ourselves in relational encounters. I really want you to hear that. So there's this way that our past, these humiliations, these shame, the shame keeps us out of deep connection with others because we keep important part of ourselves to ourselves. We we think no one can know this. If this other person really knew this, I wouldn't be lovable. They wouldn't love me. So I have to keep it inside. But by keeping it inside, we're pretty much saying I'm not lovable, right? Because that's why I'm not saying it out loud because you you won't love me. So I'm trying to hide this thing. And of course, the, those things never really get hit, hidden. Um, these authors go on, they, so they say experiences of shame or humiliation, including, you know, um, being ridiculed, belittled, ostracized, demeaned, whatever it is, can disrupt our ability to initiate and participate in the relationships that help us grow. And Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Really, because so really what happens all too often is that whenever we're involved in these experiences of shame, whatever they might be, they teach us to 
that it's only safe to be in disconnection, that it's safe to isolate, to be in separation. Now, that doesn't mean maybe you don't get into a relationship, but it means you keep so many parts of yourself at a distance from your partner. You don't talk about them. Uh, they, they are embarrassing. And again, you feel shame. I'm inherently unlovable because of this thing, so I'm not gonna talk about it. So I'm gonna keep myself a little bit distant. I'm gonna hold this thing um, away from you. And obviously people, pick up on that, right? That's what happens. So research out of the the Stone Center at Wellesley College, and this is by Linda Hartling and Jean Baker Miller. Uh, again, you, you heard Baker Miller earlier in, the, in that book, The Healing Connection. Um, they found three main responses to shame, which and they term these strategies for disconnection. So there's three main responses we have when uh, we when shame comes to the door. And that is that we move away from it. So that's, you know, you isolate, you don't talk about it, you keep the secrets, like I was saying. Uh, or are you, number two, you move towards it. And this is where all that people pleasing and the codependency show up. Guess what? Those are, so the, there you go. There's shame again in people pleasing and codependency. Or you move against it. And this is when you're fighting back. And often when you're trying to, someone quote unquote makes you feel a certain way, you know, your partner makes you feel a certain way. And so you try to hurt them the way you're hurting. You'll, you know, you'll fight back. You'll try to strike out at them in some way. So now really think about these. Um, and by the way, so Brene Brown, by the way, calls these um, shame shields. And so no matter which one you do, and you, you know, you might've done all three, you, you're moving away from your true self, from, from who you are. And when you move away from who you are, obviously it's, it's very difficult to move into a relationship with someone else that has a deep emotional connection, that has intimacy, emotional closeness, uh, because you have to have trust there. And if you don't trust the other person with this deep, dark secret with this information, then we're saying that uh, I can't really be close to you. And so I want you to really think about your relationships right now. So, you know, definitely your primary romance one. That's that's what we talk about a lot in the podcast, but think about your other ones too. Think about maybe a sibling or your parent or any other really important relationship to you. And really think about, are you that person that moves away from it? You know, you sort of isolate, you don't talk about certain things, you keep secrets, right? Is that is that where you tend to go? This is where that's where I tend to go, just for the record. <laughs> since since it's the Abby sharing hour today. <laughs> um uh I and I shared a, I shared this on the um when we talked about attachment styles. You know, I'm I am more avoidantly attached. You know, I've worked really hard to be more secure. And you uh, it's the same thing kind of shows up here when it comes to relationships is I will tend to, you know, pull back when things are going on to keep my own counsel. I have to really always push myself to share and with my best friends, with my partner, with my siblings or whoever, you know, is important in my life to share this information with. So I'm not alone. But my first reaction, so I have definitely better about it. I'm I'm my friends who are listening are laughing because I'm certainly not perfect. But I certainly am way better than I have ever been. And I always keep it as a goal. I know it's something I have to work on. I know it's something I need to pay attention to. So I do. But relating it to this feelings of shame was really huge for me. Uh, because, 
And it's really why, you know, one of the many reasons I, I am doing this broadcast today, I had a lot of, you know, I can't tell you how many people have written in asking to, to talk about shame more, but it's also because I myself have been doing, using it in, you know, the couple's work I do, my own private therapy, all that stuff. It kept coming up and I thought, well, I just have to do a podcast on this. I need to do some investigation. Um, and it was really helpful to me when I was able to put it in these frames. And of course, I have a lot of clients I meet with who are really people pleasing and super codependent. And I'm not saying I don't go into these this mode either. I go into this mode too. <laughs> um, these are probably my top two. Mostly I move away from, but sometimes I get into that people pleasing, codependent uh, reactions to the relationships I'm in. And uh, I tend not to be a fighter or try to hurt people. That tends not to be my thing, but uh, I can't even remember the last time I would have done that or think of that. I just, it, I don't like it. It's not where I want to be. But some of you, of course, I, and I meet with a lot of clients where that is their first thing. They're looking to get revenge, to get back, to, you know, be even. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Uh, there's this 50-50 um, game going on. And as you know, I hate that um, because it's really all linked back to this competition with your partner. And in this case, for love, you for uh, worthiness, for feeling worthy to be accept uh, and getting, receiving love in your relationship. So right now, I really want you to think about which one of these do you do the most and make that a goal this week to notice when that behavior comes up and to start to really think about, and I'm going to give you a tool later, very soon, we're almost to the end of the broadcast, about how to really look at that issue in a um, little frame, a little framework that, that, uh, Brene Brown puts out. So, but I do want you to think about right now as we're talking, which one you you tend towards, where do you lean in? Um, and to start to make that connection of, wow, what am I ashamed of that I'm doing that? Um, oh, am I pe I'm people pleasing because I think I'm not worthy of love otherwise. I'm not worthy of making a demand of saying what I want first, of asking for things. Uh, who am I to do that? Is that what's happening? So it's really important. Okay. So let's, I, I do want to quickly say the difference between guilt and shame because it comes up a lot and I know you probably know the difference, but I just feel like I need to say it because you never know uh, if you do or don't. And I always want to be on the same page and not assume anything. So, and, so we classically say, and I'm sure you've likely heard this, that guilt is saying I did something bad and shame is saying I am bad. So being bad means you can't change it, right? You're incapable of changing or doing better. And that's the problem with shame. Uh, but if you have guilt and you have you know, remorse or regret, those kind of feelings, that actually can motivate you. If I feel a lot of remorse or regret, I will often go apologize, right? I'll take action, I'll go apologize to the person. I'll really start um, thinking about how to change that behavior and actively work on it. I might go to therapy with it. I might talk to my friends about it. There's all this action that happens where I'm trying to change it um, often, usually, with guilt. And that's kind of, to me, one of the ways you know if you're feeling guilt or shame because if you're taking action, it's likely guilt. If you're not, it's likely shame. It's probably linked to something with shame. Uh, Brene Brown calls guilt healthy shame. <laughs> Sorry, healthy shame. So because it it 
when we feel it, it moves us to do something, something to fix it, something, you know, reparative um, or healthier. So, but when we're in shame, it often paralyzes us. We we get locked into an unhealthy behavior in the secret keeping or whatever, or the people pleasing or whatever it might be that you're doing. So it's really like, I, it's, it was really great for me to think more about the difference between these two and how to differentiate uh, on a deeper level with what you're doing with the feeling, what's happening after the feeling. And that's how you can often tell which one you're dealing with. So it lets you know what what you should be working on. And I do, again, in my life, I think I felt shame and didn't realize it. I wasn't taking action. I just was keeping it a secret, whatever I was doing with it. Um, and again, when I really started to do this research for this podcast and think about these differences, it's it's an easier filter for me now to use and to to go, oh, I've been stuck in something. That's, that's shame, you know, when I'm just doing it over and over. Uh, and uh, unable, seemingly unable to shift out of it. So, okay. So let's get to, so what did, what do you do? And I'm going to go into some stuff from Brene Brown, and then I'm going to give you some other, uh, tips and tools. So, um, let's get to it. All right. So, uh, Brown says that there are three basic steps to handling, uh, emotional setbacks like shame. So any emotional setback like shame. And you can, of course, I'll link to her book in the show notes and, um, or books in the show notes. I think, you know, I've read a bunch of her books. I'm pretty sure this one was from Daring. I think this is her most recent one, actually. I don't think it's Daring Greatly. It might've been, but I think it's more a more recent one. I'll try to link in the show notes to the correct book. Um, basically, she says that there's these three steps that you do to handle these emotions. And it's reckoning, rumbling, and revolution, these three R's. And so the reckoning is where, this is where your mindfulness and self-awareness come in. So you know I preach it, you know you've heard me talk about it all the time, and here's yet another reason why you care about mindfulness and your self-awareness. So when you're reckoning, you you realize you're having an emotional reaction to something and the idea is to become curious so you can explore it more so you can really fully uh, look at something and turn it around and check it out and when that word curious is what's so important here that so the reckoning is that actually noticing it and then getting curious about it Okay, so that's the first thing. So not beating yourself up about it, not the harsh inner critic, nothing else, just going, huh, look at that. Hmm, let me see what's going on there. And then the second step is rumbling. Now, so now that you recognize that you're having this emotional reaction, right? So in the first, in the reckoning, I, I see it. I see this thing I'm doing. Now it's time to pay attention to the, to the story, the narrative you're telling yourself about what just happened what's true and what's not about the, you know, the dialogue you're having inside your head. What, 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 where's the, this is really all about reality checking. You're reality checking what's happening. And the goal is to have a new understanding of your thoughts so you can act, not react in situations. You want to have a, a new, uh, come to Jesus, so to speak, about, what you've been thinking and telling yourself for so long. And this fits really perfectly in with um, previous episodes I've done around rational mode of therapy and the ABCD format 
Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. Also, if you want another, just a great tool for dealing with that, or I did a a quick kind of a mini podcast on that, Um, might be a nice one to listen to. It's pretty short on how to use that um, particular, it's Albert Ellis's Rational Motive Therapy. So I won't get into it here, I'll link to it, but um, the rumbling is, this is that time of really asking yourself who says why do I think this is a fact? Where, where is this coming from? And to truly check it with reality. So, you, you know, you got curious, you noticed it and got curious, and now you're really questioning, is this true? This thing I've always assumed, is that true? Um, you know, no one's ever going to love me. Or, uh, you know, if if people knew the truth, they they wouldn't they wouldn't want to be friends with me or wouldn't want to be in a relationship with me. You know, to to truly ask questions around those kinds of assumptions and get clear on whether or not that's a fact. And I'm here to tell you, it's generally not. It is more often than not, not a fact. And it's been blown into a certain proportion. And I will say sometimes the best place to start when you're just not sure how you could possibly tell someone is to start with a therapist or someone you're paying to be confidential, to talk about these things that are so hard that you can't imagine discussing with your partner or your your brother or whoever, um, start with someone, you know, professionally trained to talk you through it. So you can start to tease this out. Okay. And the three, the third is revolution. Now that you're noticing your reaction and the faulty thinking that you, you know, that you're having with it, it's time to change how you're interacting with others. Uh, and so, this is that time where you're really going, oh, what's next? You know, how am I now going to be? That's the revolution. How am I going to do this differently now? Um, You can now have some more, you know, insight, some thoughtfulness, some, um, you know, re- uh, retelling of the story in your head, repositioning that so that now maybe you don't have to be people pleasing. Maybe you could stand up for yourself in a certain way or just say no to things. Uh, you know, what's next? Where's the revolution? What What's going to happen now? So I love the that three-step process. And I, but I all, I think there's some other things you also need to think about when it comes to uncovering and overcoming shame. Um, that I just want to go a little deeper in. So one of them we touched on here and that I'm going to give you six quick little tips here. And one of them, yes, is this sort of change the narrative. That's this rumbling. So I just want to be clearer about it. You know, you've got to create an inner dialogue that has self-compassion, self-acceptance, and forgiveness. Those are the three you've really got to work on. Um, it, it it you can't do it without it <laughs> you know you, they they all have to to be there somewhere um and so that's the real work to be done and i've done another podcast on self compassion so um you know you can listen to that but this and i have a uh, masterclass on forgiveness um on my website you can um in the shop section you can check that out it's a it's a short little masterclass you can take on forgiveness. Um, Self-acceptance, I think, is everything I'm doing, but you will, you know, self-acceptance really comes from that compassion for sure. So uh, that's number one. Number two is the no more secrets. So taking things out of the shadows 
um, and sharing it with at least one trusted person in your life. And again, as I mentioned earlier, that can be a therapist, that's fine. Um, th but if you can, if you can choose someone that's important to you in your life, you know, someone who loves you no matter what and is there with no judgment. That's that's who you want. If you don't, ha again, have that person in your life, get thee to a therapist. But otherwise, if you do have someone like that, that's a great person to start with. And you don't have to start with the biggest secrets. You can start with some smaller ones, but start to uncover these. And because what you start to realize is they're not so scary um, and that we all have a shadow side. Everyone has a shadow side. And it's important to start uh, getting in touch with that and allowing other people to see it. Okay. Uh, the third thing I want to say to you is learn more. Get your education on about shame. Make sure this isn't the last thing you listen to about how to overcome shame. <laughs> start to really read the books, you know, watch a video, start to really make this um, a bigger part of your life, this understanding of it and overcoming it. It's whatever you put your attention on is, you know, whatever you focus on grows. So, when we focus on our inner critic, yeah, that grows. But when we focus on healing, that grows too. So start really paying attention and make it a, a more of a priority and have a little more urgency around figuring this out. Okay. Number four is don't get it twisted, sister. No, <laughs> don't get it twisted. Make sure sure you understand what you're feeling. So is it guilt or shame? Is it embarrassment or humiliation? You know, what What exactly are you feeling? Because again, that's why I did work on this earlier today in the podcast, because I want you to think about what is it that I'm feeling? Really get down to it. Uh, a lot of times um, I do, with my clients a lot, I've been telling them to get, you know, those feelings sheets off the internet, you know, with the little faces, all, with all the little faces, and try to get one with a lot of faces. Those are really great little tools to start to notice, wow, am I only ever going to the anger? Am I only, like, when people ask me how I feel, do I have five responses or three responses or two responses, you know, there, there's hundreds of feelings, literally. So where are the new, and you don't have to look at hundreds, but at least have 25, 30, you know, at least have some more that you're choosing from. So are you happy or are you content? Do you feel calm, peaceful, serene? You know, what's the word? Get into the nuance of it. Get underneath what that top feeling is and get clearer about what you're, th what's truly going on. Okay. Number five is know your triggers. So as I mentioned earlier, if there's something you feel insecure about, right, it might have its origins in shame, right? So I said, if you're feeling self-conscious or insecure, it's likely related to shame. So maybe you had a crappy dad and now you're worried that you're not a good dad. So when your partner, you know, says something about your parenting, you get defensive and angry. Um, in her research, Dr. Brown, she talks about a variety of what she shame categories. <laughs> uh, the primary, and this is so interesting. So, and what she says is the primary shame trigger for women still remains physical appearance. And for men, it's the fear of being perceived as weak. Those are the primary triggers, but you could have other triggers, trust me, definitely. So start to really understand your triggers. And this is times when you feel that harsh inner critic 
uh, you know, jumping in or you feel self-conscious or you, you know, start to notice those emotions because you might not go, oh, I feel ashamed right now. But you might notice that you're, what triggers your codependency? What triggers your people pleasing? What triggers you to isolate? What triggers you to jump in and get in a fight or get defensive? Start to notice, trust me, there are themes. There are, there's not a million things that make you feel this way. There's really sort of distilled down probably one or two things that make you feel this way. Uh, so really identify them so you can start to pay attention to them and be ready when those things come up to not get dropped, you know, not go down the rabbit hole um, of shame. Um, and the last thing, uh, last little tip I want to give is to volunteer. And Brown says this, she says, shame traps us in our thoughts service puts us into action. I love that. I think that's brilliant. And so really what I want you to remember is that shame isolates and service connects. That's how it works. So it, believe it or not, doing something for others is connecting. Um, really volunteering in a meaningful way in some way, that's how you can shift that energy of shame. It really works. It's great. So so those are my tips. I'm going to end with um, some final words from, from Brene, because I have to, and because I, I really liked this. She says that when we bury the story, we forever stay the subject of the story. If we own the story, we get to narrate the ending. So what I want to leave you all with today is to definitely own your story. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you for uh, sticking with me through shame, uh, the silent killer of relationships. I really want you to get how much this is affecting your relationships and your ability to connect with others uh, in your life. And especially, of course, your relationship with yourself. Take care, everybody. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.